Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Team Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Sagebirding Chamberlain. How you, how you doing, Matt? Pretty good. Why do you ask? Something happened? <laughs> well, Matt, we made it through the season. We made oh, it through. That's all. So okay. we crowned the NBA champion. We've had 24 hours to now digest what's happened. We're recording on Wednesday. Tuesday was the NBA championship. Uh, game winner, game six, Milwaukee Bucks. I, I I feel a little weird saying that. Like NBA champion Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I'm sure there's obviously a bajillion, not a bajillion, like 60,000 people in Milwaukee still going bananas today about it. But it's... It's one of those like, oh, we're not saying LA, Boston. You what, know, what's you... the over under on people who called out of work today? Milwaukee. I mean, this never happens. I don't. Ryan Howe knew the Green Bay Packers win. I don't know. <laughs> well, historically, they've won six, and that's spread out of what a hundred years or whatever. So, not very often. I mean. I don't know the betting line. I mean, like twenty thousand. That that's probably a good number. How many people? Like, what do you? Does Milwaukee just shut down when they do the parade? Like, is anybody going to work that day? No, there's no way. Is that like a national holiday? Unless like, you keep like the restaurants open. Oh yeah, the bars are going to be open. That's yeah. for sure. Cheese, cheese, cheese shop, shops. Dairies get their cheese curds. Um, yeah. to celebrate. Giannis went and got his fifty nuggets, and from Chick Fil A. Yeah, that was great. Half Sprite, half lemonade. Um, that's an order. <laughs> I want I need to try it now. Straight up, like Giannis is just opening our eyes, Ryan. You should uh, next time you go to Chick Fil A, just say I'll have the Giannis and see what the person does. <laughs> It'll be like that one kid that's like, yo, I know what you're talking about. And, and there's some like white girl. I have no idea what you're talking about. And then you get charged for 50 nuggets and a half Sprite, half of it. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> you know. If, if it means getting to see Giannis and do what Giannis did in these playoffs, in these finals, I'll pay for it. It's good. Oh, my. We're going to talk about that here in a second, Matt. But before we get into that, um, let me remind everyone to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram if you haven't yet, um, and give us a rating or review on the podcast platform of your choice. That means a lot to us. In episode 115, Matt, if you didn't listen, which you were on it, so you, you did listen, uh, we talked about old finals preview, and now we're, we're post-finals. So that's what we're going to talk about in this one. But first, we're going to get to... The last one, two, three, Cancun of the season. The Phoenix Suns, Matt. Shout out Phoenix. I what mean, a, what a run. run they made it this far. Yeah, like they didn't make the playoffs in the last what? Like ten years. Ten like years. The yeah, 2010 11 season. And and then they make a run to the finals. This kind of improbable run. CP3 has amazing has amazing games. Devin Booker kind of ascends, and we find out who Devin Booker is as a player. Start to find out. Yeah. And the 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 bright future Suns is their future is now. Yeah. Uh, which is just exciting. I mean, it, I I don't have a lot of negatives to talk about this. I mean, obviously they have to figure out the CP3 situation. This summer, 
uh, this off season. What's kind of your read on that whole situation, Matt? So, so first off, um, before the CP3 bit, this team is built with young players still. I mean, like, like look at who was playing for them. I mean, you, you know, namely Booker, but Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. It's just like this team is truly built around youth with veterans built into it, like Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, right? Yep. So I think it's important for Phoenix, like, you lost, it sucks, you want to win. Of course, we both picked Phoenix um, to win this before it started, um, and we didn't really waver in our last recording after game three. But it's, I think it's most important for Phoenix to remember, like, you in theory have something that's sustainable here moving, like, over the next five to eight years of Devin Booker's prime. The CP3 bit of it obviously is going to be ridiculously complicated because it is completely dependent upon him. Like, what does he want? Does he want to take the massive $40 million, you know, player option that he has in Phoenix for this coming season? Does he want a long-term deal that Phoenix may or may not be willing to give him? Does Phoenix say, we're not paying you $120 million for the next three, four years? but we'll sign and trade you to somewhere that will pay you that. I don't know. That's because it's just completely dependent on what Chris Paul wants at this point. You know, he seemed like he really enjoyed this team. And I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't Mm. enjoy Monty Williams right now? Mm. Who wouldn't enjoy playing with a Booker and, you know, the, the rise of Deandre Ayton also. So I could totally see him still wanting to stay and them taking another go at it next season. Um, One more really good push. But he told me Chris Paul was ready to go to his next place. I could see it also. He's bounced around now three teams in three years. Maybe he's just at that point where he's going where he feels like to go. And there's nothing you can say or do to change his mind. You know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what these young guys can develop in the offseason. Kind of going back to that point of like, all right, we've seen Aiden take a mini leap. I think we started to see Cam Johnson really st- to, to kind of develop and come into his own there off the bench. And then, you know, question marks around how can Mikel Bridges develop not only as a defender, but then add to his offensive game. We saw some of it when he was taking off the dribble threes and um, hitting, you know, hitting some ridiculous shots there in the finals. So it's kind of, I think the question is how can this young team grow? but keep those veteran guys or add potentially another piece to the mix here. And I think if CP3 is willing to stay, how can they add another piece into this, right? Because yeah. if, if he opts in and has that $40 million contract, that's, I don't know, 40% of the cap plus Booker plus then you're looking yeah. at an eight and extension. Um, it adds up really quick. Yeah. As of right now, for guys who have contracts that do span into next year, there's already $125 million in the books in Phoenix. Mm. And that's for um, like nine players. Yeah. So they're going to have who, whatever draft pick they probably bring in this year for a couple million. And that's 10. And they're trying to fill out another like four spots on this team with no cap room. So. I mean, if Phoenix really wanted one more great shot at it, 
and working under the assumption that they need another guy, they would need Paul to opt out and then re-sign at a much lower number. Is he willing to do that? It would would Phoenix give him a four for one hundred? Mm. Maybe because all of a sudden he's going down from forty four million a year to roughly twenty five. You know that creates legitimate room. Maybe not for a superstar, but for another very talented player that could really help your team. But the problem for Phoenix is what they're really looking for is that wing forward score slash can still play defense yep that guy's super hard to find that's what everyone's looking hard for to find on a, on good team friendly contract right like you're just you're not just readily finding that guy so that's the problem is they're, they're going to have to get creative if they want to bring in one of those type of dudes um the problem is like the sign and trade is in theory like a great option for a lot of teams we whether it you know, we talked about like potentially involving Chris Paul if he was just to say, like, I'm moving on. But if he wanted to stay, for example, and they wanted to build with another piece with him, I mean, the guys that are coming off the books for them, each one more Langston Galloway, Campaign, Frank Kaminsky, Abdul Nader, Tory Craig. You know, there's no one of value there to, to make a signing trade work as good as. Frank the Tank was in that last game. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a big Frank Kaminsky market out there, Ryan. So, yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, Cameron Payne. It feels like he's kind of found a home there, and they found some some something there. So I can't imagine them wanting to move off. And it's not like Campaign's getting, you know, any type of superstar in return. Let's not mix that up. But like it's some nice of those back for like a two for ten type of yeah. deal you know but does he want that would someone offer him more than that because he only made two million dollars this past year mm. one might offer him more than a two for ten i mean you convince me up to eight for campaign like yeah, a good like backup someone quicker. someone buys in like yeah. that's all i mean you just need one team to be like we need that, a guy like that so you know like i i you can't even tell for sure he's coming back and while campaign definitely has his faults um a lot of players on this roster do because it's a lot of really good role players so with that comes faults they're somewhat expendable but you really need campaign because he brings something no one else on the roster does and i know this is getting into like a very niche conversation of like the necessity of campaign for phoenix Suns <laughs> when the real conversation is focused around chris paul and devin booker and deandre ayton but your team's composed of a ton of role players. Every role player really matters for a team like this. So I think the probably more organic answer that's probably more realistic is Booker takes a step as a three-point shooter. Mm. Aiton takes a step on the offensive end of being able to more create his own, you know, catch it 12 feet from the basket and do something. Um and just hope that you get the next opportunity and Jay Crowder's three goes in. Dario Sarge's knee doesn't blow out. Yeah. You know, just things like that. Yep. And this Phoenix team was so close. Um, and it, it's kind of heartbreaking because I think I, I, I wasn't rooting against Bucks. I wasn't necessarily rooting for the Suns. But it's kind of hard to see a guy like Monty Williams – you know, lose a championship and then see his post-game interview where he's holding back quite a bit 
uh, emotionally and you know he's been through so much in his life and to be so close I can't imagine how heartbreaking that is um to be some uh, works toward one thing for your whole life and then be so close and have it yeah be so far away um so congrats to the Suns for an incredible season but also have fun in Cancun come back in 75 days because there's another season coming up <laughs> how ridiculous is it that now Devin Booker has to ride on a private jet with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to Tokyo for the Olympics I would just I, I wouldn't go I would just literally say like I'm good thanks He's like, I'll ride in the cargo section of this plane, but I can't I can't sit next to these guys for like 12 hours. What do you even talk about? You're like, uh, you know, how's that? Like, how's the family uh, doing? Put on, I just have like four movies lined up, ready to go. Bose headphones, like I'm drowning you guys out. I don't want to see. Don't, yeah. you're not bringing any trophy on the plane. You're not wearing any sort of Bucks championship shirt. I don't want to see any of it. Yeah, 100%. Yep. So now we get to move our focus over to the actual champs. The NBA champion, Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, just put a cap on the season, put a cap on this finals with 50 points. What was his final stat line? 50 points, 13 rebounds. Yeah, 14, 13. 14, 13. Six assists, five blocks. Five blocks, Matt. We're talking about NBA 2K type of numbers here. That's the thing. He was, I mean, literally everywhere. Like, there wasn't one facet of the game that Giannis didn't drastically impact for the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. And that, I mean, like, his two-way ability really just shown through in this run. Um, he might have two of the most signature plays in recent memory in this series with the block and then the alley-oop later on in this series. Yeah, in game five. Finals MVP, defensive play of the year, and MVP. Two other people have done this, not named Giannis, and it was Michael Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, that's that's mind blowing. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that's just incredible. Like, how do you even? I don't. I don't know where to go from here. But the career arc of this guy has just been incredible, right? Well, that's the thing. Is he came in and this is truly like a skinny wing point forward type <laughs> guy that like. You didn't quite know what what you had, but you could tell there was something there that you just mm. couldn't teach. And part of it's he, not not just with the height, but like his physical build, mm. just you know he put in so much work into that. And he put on basically fifty pounds, a muscle, essentially. Years. Yeah, and turned into a tank. He went from a kid who couldn't make free throws to not making seventeen out of nineteen in the game clincher um he developed post moves he developed a new role in the offense as a screener at times as playing out a short role he has realized like he can play perimeter defense he can play interior defense 
I know he technically only had two assists tonight because he was just taking it and putting it in the hoop because no one could stop him um, for Phoenix. But it's like he created so much for himself and others the entire game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he his playmaking went to another level. Like, obviously, I think we touched on a couple of podcasts throughout the season is that his passing has clearly just ascended to a yeah. new level. Like those passes, like you saw it a couple of times out in fast breaks um, during the series where he would hit someone on just like pocket pass to Bobby Portis in the corner to Pat Connaughton, just whoever. Tell he saw the pass before he received the pass. Yes. Like he knew where he was going to send it before he even got it. Like in, he wasn't calling for the ball to try and score and then realized that he called for the ball knowing I got to swing this one more. And that, that that was the evolution of his game that really kind of took it to another level, right? Like that playmaking ability um, from that position and from so, uh, just some of the passes he made were picture, picture perfect, exactly where he wanted it in the shooter's pocket. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just so impressive to see that career arc. I mean, I have can't remember anybody taking steps like this in the playoffs in recent history who like was the focal point of a team like because we've known what LeBron is we've known what Steph is Katie really has we know who he is is there another player who's done that in recent memory because I can't come up with one well well like yeah for example like LeBron right like we knew he was great physically incredible um athlete and gifted and blessed in so many ways that like those first like the first playoff run or the first finals run right mm. they have to go through detroit and he goes for like 25 straight the final 25 for the Cavs, yeah, yeah. The final 25 right to to get that one like that like it i would take it's it's similarish in that regard of like i yeah, you know he's great. And like I think Hardis is we 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 collectively did not still somehow view Giannis high enough. And so it's like we're thinking this is like some incredibly massive step. And don't get me wrong, it is like a incredible step. But we have to give him credit. Like there was a reason he was MVP. And it's mm-hmm. funny, like we don't give him enough credit, even though he is a two time MVP. Um, but we really don't. Like it's not like he came like it's, this is not Chris Middleton going for 50. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Like this is, this is a already great player ascending into historic level of greatness. I think early LeBron runs are pretty mm. similar. Mm. Of like, you knew he was great. You knew he was the next big thing. And then he's like carrying a team that had no business playing in the NBA finals, you know? Mm. This team was better than like what LeBron had in that, you know, oh seven year. But like, you're right. There aren't a ton of guys where it's like they took that step in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's it's it was really impressive to watch. Hats off to him. Hats off to the Bucks. It kind of, I mean, it vaults Giannis into this category with like Steph, LeBron, Kawhi, and Katie of like current players 
Like that's that's the top echelon of the yeah. league to me. Um, and then there's a gap between everyone else. You might be able to throw Kawhi in there if I didn't say Kawhi. Um, but those guys just are different than the rest of the league. Like there's not – I don't see any other players making – if you got one of those guys today, they would drastically change like what you're doing day in, day out. Yeah. Like any of those guys, you basically feel like if you can just put enough of a team around them, you feel like you can make a legit playoff run. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, the the Golden State one, like they had to have such an awful team plus injuries to not make it like a playoff run this year. Like that's how drastically bad that team had to be. And it was bad. It was ridiculously bad for them not to be able to do anything so like that's to the point of like just give you someone like enough nba basketball players around one of these guys and they're gonna get there yep yep and that i i mean that's not to i don't want to compare Giannis to any one of those guys because i think they're all unique in their own right is that like each one of those guys you can kind of just like you said, throw a team around and they're probably going to get you 40 wins just by themselves. They're going to elevate your team to that 40 win mark. And then if your team front office is competent enough, they might be able to get you 50 and they might be able to get you a championship. Yeah. And like, so for this Bucks team, like going out and getting Holiday, which we've said it many times on this podcast, the Eric Bledsoe upgrade to Drew Holiday. I don't care how many picks he gave up. It was worth it. We and said that two years ago. We I remember at that trade deadline, we both said the way the Bucks get better if is Eric Bledsoe is not on this team by the end of this after the trade deadline. Yeah. And you, I feel so vindicated, Matt. Like yeah, Drew Holiday, right. Drew Holiday just ate up Chris Paul and Devin Booker for four straight games. Yeah, we need to talk on Middleton and Holiday for a minute. So, let's let's go Holiday. He didn't have the greatest offensive performance, obviously, in the closeout game because the Suns did my idea. They put Mikael Bridges on. They finally and, did it, and they uh, it worked. Hundred percent, it worked. Um, but the problem is Giannis didn't matter who was guarding Giannis. Like, yeah, he he kind of figured out Aiden. He was like, "All right, I know what." I kind of know this guy now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, in games five and six, DeAndre Ayton looked like rookie DeAndre Ayton. Mm. And that was very bad for the Suns because they dressed, like we talked about, they needed a third guy. And Ayton kind of sunk back down, which, I mean, he's like 23, like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen, right? Uh, Drew, I mean, he still had, you know, had. 11 assists. He was still a plus player and has obviously based in Packers defense. Like he almost had a triple double. Yeah. That's the thing with Drew Holiday is like he doesn't have to score. Um but I mean he yeah, you said 12, 11, and nine and four steals. Um obviously his base impact the series was he just just ridiculed um Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Like, whoever he was guarding. And for the longest time, it was just Chris Paul. They had moments of putting him on Booker, 
And we saw that be very effective also when he was guarding him. It kind of got to the point with Booker of just like, we're just going to leave Middleton or Tucker on him because it doesn't matter. He was so white hot at a point in time in the series. But Holiday just, he made their life miserable. And you can tell like when Drew's feeling it, when Drew's getting other people involved, when Drew's setting a tone on the defensive end, 94 feet from the basket, everyone else, you know, Giannis is already locked in, but everyone else takes up a notch too. So big, big Drew Holiday uh, fans here. I don't know like what Drew Holiday eats, but that dude is immovable. Like you saw like Devin Booker trying to like back him down a little bit and he wasn't moving. It's like he kind of just smirked at him, like, what are you doing? And like and Devin Booker's actually a pretty good sized dude. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, Drew Holiday is just like a man out there. Like he he truly it it it's a travesty that people don't think he is like first team all NBA defense. Like I don't know what we're doing here <laughs> if Drew Holiday's not first team all NBA defense as a guard. Like the dude can guard anybody and everybody. We saw him just take out the point god. Like, he took him out. Like, yeah. he really did. And, I mean, Giannis won in the series. Giannis deserved to be MVP of the finals. Middleton even has a halfway decent argument for that also. But as strong as Middleton's argument is, is also Holiday's argument for finals MVP. They don't win game five without his 27 points or whatever he put in, in game five. Yeah, no, he even had the good offensive performance at times, too. I'm saying the defense alone mm. is, like, that elite level of, you know, I'm going to carry a team. But, like, yeah, basically any offense for him is gravy. I honestly don't know. I watched this entire series and have no idea if he actually got hit by a screen. Like, it feels like he got ever, over every single one. And he has that body type where you're like, there, there's no way you can slip between – the ball handler and the screener. And somehow every single time it felt like he was able to slip over it and just body. He's never going to give up on it. Yeah. And that's basically what they did is they would have Portis or Lopez or Giannis show enough to make the offensive player like have to hesitate for just a moment of, do I take this or not? And it gives holiday whatever time he may or may not need. Gives him an opportunity, though, to get right back where he needs to be. And the thing is, it's already hard enough to take a shot with Drew Holiday draped all over you on your hip, let alone letting him back into the play, and then you have no shot of getting a good look up. Like, because he's right there. His defense. Yeah, and even like going to Middleton now, like that dude. He I, like I honestly didn't think we were talking about it off air a little bit. I didn't think he had it in him to be like the two, like an option two on a NBA Finals championship team, and he just kind of proved that whole mess wrong because that uh, he can hit any sort of shot anytime the Bucks needed a big bucket. It felt like he could provide it. Yeah, well, he's a he's a perfect complement to Giannis. Yes. Like he does. He does what Giannis doesn't do. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Bucks just know, like situationally, okay, Giannis can give us this. You know, Middleton can give us that. Holiday can hopefully give us some spot up three point shooting, and we'll live with whatever the other role guys out there are giving us too. 
So that's the thing with Middleton is we we've seen him over the last like three ish years have moments to stretches to quarters to games. And while like he honestly wasn't great in game six, he was good. He wasn't great. He had some great moments throughout the series though. Mm. And obviously some ridiculously clutch shots had a big clutch shot in game six to put him up six with like a minute and a half left, you know? So that's the thing with Milton is they don't need him to be great all the time. Mm. They need him to be situationally great. um, Whether it's stopping a run in the second quarter or hitting a clutch basket in the fourth. They just need him to be situationally great when Giannis needs someone else to do the thing he can't do. Some help. Yeah. And, like, that's fair. Like, you know, we can't expect Giannis to do literally everything at the level he does because even LeBron, like, doesn't do that consistently. You know, maybe at its absolute prime, you could say he did, but there's him and Mike are like the only two that could do literally everything at the elite level inside outside offense defense you know so i think it's okay to like just call middleton a great support a perfect support player for Giannis. yeah that whole narrative of batman and robin kind of drives me insane with middleton and Giannis. like let's just don't actually watch the game if you say that like like that's that's my favorite thing is when Kendrick per- Perkins spouts off on Twitter how Giannis is Robin to Middleton's Batman. It's like, all right, yeah, sure. I'm I'm sure uh, Batman over there didn't put up 50 points and it goes out. Like, let's let's just stop with that narrative entirely. What you you nailed it on the head is like Chris compliments Giannis perfectly and that he can be that perimeter scorer as needed. It doesn't have to be all the time. He doesn't have to be perfect because Giannis carries the brunt of the offense and middles can, can be the closer. And that's that. Yeah. And that's not a knock on Middleton to say that it's Mm -hmm. just an acknowledgement of it. Like, and again, part of it is you have to give credit to Giannis where it's due. Like this dude is like you said, a top five player in the league. Like just, there's no way around it. Like he is going to be, he is, and he's going to be for the next 10 years, a top five player in the league. If not, at some point, the number one player in the league, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's okay that Middleton's not that. Like, he doesn't have to be that. He can be a top 35 guy in the league. But if he perfectly compliments the dude who is the top guy, then it's cool. And that's okay. Chris mm-hmm. knows it. Giannis knows it. Everyone knows it. That's around the Bucks and watches the Bucks. There's, it's not disrespectful to Middleton to call him Robin. I don't know why we really need to call him Batman and Robin, but it's dumb. It's like, a dumb comparison. But like the the second option, it's okay. It's okay, honestly. But like you said, I didn't know if Chris Middleton could be the second option on a championship team, and maybe for a lot of teams he couldn't be. But for this team and what they needed considering what their number one option could and couldn't do, he was a good number two option. Yeah. I mean, he just that dude's obviously gone from a second round pick to now being the second best option on a championship team. That's a quite, quite the career arc for him too. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's developed a lot off balance shots, mid range. He has the mid range game and you know, he can, 
it, it feels like at any given point, it's not like a Steph or Clay level of like, oh my God, if he gets hot, watch out. It's, it, you know, if he hits two baskets in a row, it's kind of, you start getting a little nervous on the other side. Uh, other side. Um, so I, I, I have a ton of respect for Chris Middleton now. And they took, I mean, this whole Bucks organization and team took it on the chin multiple times and kind of just bounced back and, and won it their way. Yeah. Talking about taking one on the chin. Can we give some love to my boy Bobby Portis? Uh, Your boy from Little Rock. Yeah, represent. Um, absolutely massive game. Uh, Bobby <laughs> Portis was like halfway out of the league <laughs> before the Bucks brought him in and just was the perfect energy playoff. Hit the shots that come to you and just be yourself. He was out of the rotation in the net series and then comes back and plays this huge role in game in the Eastern Conference Finals when Giannis goes out and we think he's done for the season. We go with the two bigs <laughs> and it kind of kills Atlanta. <laughs> and like he has this Bassam gave five to propel them to winning that series. Yeah. Um, just kind of a moment for him. I, I think we when they signed bobby portis in the offseason we, we thought that was a nice signing i don't think either one of us imagined that he would play this big of a role on a championship team especially on this championship team um but i mean good for bobby portis good for pj tucker i dante t vincenzo like he it's bummer he didn't get to play um, like brooke lopez was good like he wasn't brooke great. lopez yeah, yeah exactly exactly like some of those guys you know it, it there weren't any really ring chasers on this squad outside of maybe PJ Tucker um, because no, no one wanted to play in Milwaukee. That was, that was what we were told. And, and now they're the NBA champions of 2021 NBA champions. But people should want to play with Giannis. That, so that's a great question is, does this change the perspective on Milwaukee and Giannis? Are they, are more players going to flood Milwaukee now to play with Giannis? Milwaukee still kind of sucks, but <laughs> like as a city, you know, like again, who wants to live in Milwaukee or Detroit or somewhere like that? You know, listen, like, you live in Milwaukee, the best part of Milwaukee, in whatever luxury townhouse, suite, apartment, whatever you want for what, like six months, and then you can go live in LA or wherever else you want to live. Like, come on. I know. And that's the thing. Like, it's doable. It's fine. Um, you know, I don't know. And to me, this isn't about like the major free agents. To be mm-hmm. honest, this is the Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton level free agents. This is about like the PJ Tucker level trades. This is about like the buyout, the buyout guys. guys that, like yeah. all of a sudden Blake Griffin's going to go to Milwaukee instead of Brooklyn or whatever it may be. You know, that's, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about. CP3 or Dame or whatever. Yeah. Right. So for those guys, though, this might matter. If, if, you know, especially because again, guys will talk. Let's just say that, you know, Bobby Portis leaves because he's like got a player option that he's like for uh, just under $4 million. 
the Knicks offer him $10 million to come back. Yeah, but, you know, if he gets a call from someone because he has Mark Bogelstein as an agent, Mm -hmm. he can be like, yo, the Bucks will treat you good, go work hard, learn the system, and you're in. You know, all of a sudden maybe, you know, someone that level is willing to sign Milwaukee that otherwise wouldn't have been willing to. So that's the thing, like, Milwaukee, as long as you have Giannis around – Middleton and Holiday able to play to a high level and then good role players that happen to produce when it matters most, there's no reason Milwaukee can't be sustainable as a championship contender, you know, for the next eight years. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important part. You have Giannis locked up, you have Drew locked up, and you have Chris Middleton locked up. Yeah. Um, and depending on when they got bounced out of, out of those playoffs, which they end up you know, winning the championship, that could be looked at as a negative. But now we're looking at it like, all right, that's your core. That those are your three guys. Um, I, I I just I it's awesome. Also for the NBA in general, kind of shift this conversation around to a bigger NBA picture. Like a small market team wins it, right? Like that. That's what the NBA has been clamoring for forever. It feels like at least since the Cavs won, because like out of the last decade, it's been what the Spurs heat golden state. Yeah. And then we have like the blip of Toronto. We have the blip yeah. of LeBron in LA, you know, I guess we have the Cleveland teams too. Um, yeah. Boston had a year in there, you know, but that's just the, the thing is it's consistently been the same, same people, same teams totally get it you know but the difference between like this one and like the Kawhi Toronto one is like we all knew Toronto wasn't staying like Mm. at the top because Kawhi was not longed for Toronto this one though is different because Giannis is longed for Milwaukee he's going to stay there I mean I I I have I couldn't see something changing in the next like three years. So you have at least the next three years with Giannis and probably more than that. Yeah. That's the crazy thing is that, I mean, a year ago after getting bounced by the heat, the conversation was, are they going, is Giannis the the max extension conversation was looming, right? Is Giannis going to resign? Is he going to let it go into off season? Um, because he could sign the contract really at any point. And, you know, he signs this contract early in December, puts that all to rest, and then this team goes to work. They trade for Drew Holiday. They get Bobby Portis in the offseason. Um, and they trade for P.J. Tucker halfway through the season. Yeah. And then this team's off to the races. Um, I think we've talked about it. I feel like every NBA podcast I've listened to today has talked about it. This team's one toenail from Kevin Durant away from not winning a championship. But from, from Mike Boonholzer being fired. Yeah. From wondering if all the picks for Drew were worth it. For PJ Tucker walking in the offseason for nothing. Yeah. But it worked. It worked. And I now that's all. And now they're NBA champions, and we look at Giannis differently. We look at this team differently. Um, I, 
it, it feels unfortunately that for at least the Suns that they may not get back and maybe the Bucks will get back and maybe this could be a multi-year thing, but they have such a high mount to climb next year, especially with the Nets. It's, it's going to be tough. It's not, it's not going to be easy sledding per se through the East for the Bucks specifically. Well, yeah, cause we have in theory, we know what the Nets are. If yeah. they're fully healthy and everything. Lord knows what's going on in Philly. Don't trust Philly. That's the mantra of this podcast, right? Um, and then, you know, I don't know. Was Atlanta, uh, you know, just a lightning in the bottle? Mm. Boston going to come back? Does New York all of a sudden get two guys to commit to them and join? And they take a major step. I don't know. But that's all of a sudden actually quite a few very talented teams to navigate through. No reason Milwaukee necessarily couldn't get back here, but it's going to be a challenge. This is not the Golden State, you know, we're walking to the finals every year. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But it does feel like now that Giannis has figured out quite a bit offensively in the playoffs, it feels like this is maybe more sustainable. Yeah, because um, we mentioned the Kevin Durant thing. To me... That like it was during that series that we saw Giannis kind of turn the corner in that super duper star of like I'm going to get us there. You know, I think you have Durant's toes on the line. He still does take like a mental step up in our like to everyone of like you saw him turn the corner, even though Durant hit one of the wildest shots I have ever seen. Um, like he took a step like he did no I think it's like he has solidly taken a step and maybe some by completing it with a championship but I still think we would view him as he took a step and it's everything else that was wrong around him you know yeah but yeah that's a great way to look at it I'm uh I would be fascinated to see this new buck or this newfound like chiseled for the playoffs Giannis up against you know some of those like top tier echelon east teams next year I think if you're looking across the NBA like who the heck is stopping Giannis like there's not there's not a great option out there it kind of feels like he's in that you know vein of Kevin Durant LeBron James like yeah you can put your best defender on him but may not matter at the end of the day you know loosely contest yeah but he might just be too massive and overbearing to where your contest doesn't matter yeah because that's the thing we talk about like lebron for like the longest time he put a big guy in front blow by put a small guy pushed up yeah just getting put in the rim durant i mean he put a big guy on him he can't guard him on the perimeter put a little guy on him he's not big enough to contest the shot you know, and now it's Giannis. So put a big man on him. Giannis has that explosive first step, even with a hurt knee. Yeah. Like, and DeAndre proved to be like a pretty good defender. Mm. And Giannis just kind of took it right at him these last several games. He was or, unbothered. Yeah. Unbothered. Gonna put a Jay Crowder on him. He's just going to rise over the top. And that's the thing is like, I, I don't know what you do. 
I seriously have no idea because, you know, we've toyed around the idea like, okay, can you just double him and just say like, we're just not going to let you within, we're not even going to let you within 10 feet of the basket. Mm. Giannis has kind of got to the point of fine. I'll either find the wide open guy or I'll make the hockey assist. And he's cool with it because even if the guy misses a shot, Giannis is probably somewhere near the room to get an offense rebound. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I, I think it's kind of goes untalked about too, is that you could really start to see Giannis just trust his teammates. Um, yeah. and, and that goes to, you know, some of the things we talked about, like those passes being a beat quicker. It's because he trusts his teammates to be there right in the right yeah. spot at the right time. If you're doubling him, like, he fully trusts Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to, to yeah. do whatever with the ball, make the right read, make the right pass, and and score the ball. And and I think that was a little underrated thing about this team is that toward the end they just trusted each other. Um, and you could see the Suns kind of go the opposite way because they couldn't get baskets from guys. You know, like Booker was going ISO heavy in like the second quarter. <laughs> Because he's the only one though that could do anything. Right. Know? It's like you look at Chris Paul's line. Chris Paul's line looks pretty good. I'd say like Chris Paul played a good game. Chris Paul did not play a great game. Devin Booker also did not play a great game, but he did start to figure some stuff out in the second half. But I, it it felt like Phoenix needed both of those guys. Mm fully on at the same time to have mm. a chance of we can't stop you so we're just going to outscore you yeah and unfortunately for phoenix like those last three games neither guy was hitting at the same time booker mm. had great games four and five Giannis had or uh, chris bought a pretty good game six but they never were both hitting on all cylinders at the same time milwaukee just needed Giannis on which he always was and then a good combination from the other two guys. That's all they, you know, quote unquote, all they needed to win the championship. But like offensively, like that's what it was. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, whatever was going on with Chris Paul's hand, it seemed like he was hurt. It, it feels like there were times where he was starting to figure out Drew Holiday. Like you definitely see it in game five at least early on, he would get quicker into the offense, right? Like he would take the ball and he would sprint. He would take it really hard at Drew, get to the foul line, um, foul line area, and then, you know, make a decision, either drive or kick it out or whatever. And, And like that just stopped. Like he couldn't continue doing that for four quarters for whatever reason. Um, and I think he, obviously it seemed like he was hurt. That's not defending Chris Paul. It just like is pretty obvious if you watch round around from when Chris Paul was healthy against the Clippers, he was a totally different player than he was against the Bucks for whatever reason. Yeah. On well, on that Chris Paul point, I mean we talked about the Drew Holiday pressure and everything, but there were times in four and five, and maybe it was the injury. I don't know. We don't fully know much about that injury um, and how that felt these last you know week or so. But he would like even get to a spot, and there'd be times like he would hesitate or mm. not take the shot. Game six, when Booker came out slow 
it kind of forced Paul, like, we just need you to take the shot. I don't even care if you miss. Just take it. Because it's almost like Devin Booker's incredible playing games four and five allowed Chris Paul, like, the reasoning to, like, I'm hurt. I don't have to take this shot right now. But Devin Booker's like, I need you to do something. And he wasn't doing it. And so, like, in game six, I remember – you know, I can't tell you, like, right off the top of my head, like, what minute and quarter they were in. But there were two or three times where I was like, Chris Paul took that shot. And he, like, I said it out loud just to myself. And he didn't take that last mm-hmm. game just because mm-hmm. Phoenix just needed him to. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing with Chris Paul sometimes, every now and again, he thinks a little too much. He, he gets a little too much in his head of, like, this is a bad shot. I can't take this shot. But it's like, it doesn't matter. There's seven seconds left on the shot clock. Your team is getting nothing better than this. And Devin Booker just needs you to do something for him. And Chris Paul, to his credit in six, took more of those, made more of those, but a hobbled Chris Paul and a totally dominant Giannis. But it's just obviously going to lean one way. Yeah, after game two, it definitely started to tilt that way into game three um, towards the Bucks, And you could kind of tell, like, Chris Paul, like, was not attacking the rim the same way. And obviously, like, some of that was Giannis, some of that was Brooke Lopez, some of that was the way the Bucks were playing defense. But, uh, like, Chris Paul is at his best when he's getting to mid-range and then getting downhill, right? Like, finishing at the rim. Um and he just didn't have that element. And even his mid-range game was off. Like, he couldn't really get that big man switched onto him and then get to a spot and get a free throw. And even getting to the line was really tough for the Suns team. Um, they yeah, were tr- a really good job of not fouling. Yeah, they were like, they're like the best team at not fouling in the league. Yeah. Um, that's, that's something, like... We saw like in game one where like, Milwaukee made a thousand defensive adjustments and it's just like they couldn't stick with anything. Game two, really the only adjustment was Drew Holiday's picking up Chris Paul more often um, early on. But Devin Booker still went insane. Phoenix won the game. But from there on out, like game three and on, the adjustment was we're not helping off shooters. Mm-hmm. We're going to just kind of dare Chris Paul to and Devin Booker to take these tough mid-range contested shots. And if they hit him and Devin Booker goes for 40, cool, but we're not going to let you find, you know, a bajillion kickout threes wide open. And Phoenix kind of had to take the opposite approach because they were just getting killed in the Giannis pick and roll that they had to help so far off and even effective at times, you would see like in game five in Phoenix, Devin Booker helping, like he wasn't even guarding PJ Tucker in the corner. Like he was standing in the paint and PJ Tucker mm. was in the corner. But he, yeah, they basically said, we're not going to let you just throw lobs to Giannis all day. And eventually though, Giannis got what he wanted. Middleton made some shots. Drew Holiday obviously, you know, had a really big game too. He just happened to be hitting that day. But it was the strategy of like we're trying to take away what you really want to do throw lobs to Giannis get him the ball six feet from the rim and let him operate or in Chris Paul's case when he is on offense of we know you want to drive and dish we know you don't want to drive and score that's never been Chris Paul's thing he does it when it's opportunistic and advantageous but he doesn't 
ever seem to drive a score. So Milwaukee said, we're just not going to leave our other guys. I dare you to just take the shot over Brooke Lopez. And for a six foot, 36 year old point guard, it's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of, I mean, like I said earlier, it's a shame the Sun team kind of ran out of gas, but congrats to the Bucks, man. Like, uh, such a, such a run. They don't have to, I think Brian Wendelhorst says this all the time. They don't have to apologize to anybody. They won a championship. Like, yeah. I don't, that there's, they, they did it that no one can take that away from them. Um, Giannis winning a reigning in Milwaukee probably means more to that city than winning any other sort of championship um, with any other player. Obviously, a super special thing. Um, and it's kind of weird. Weird. We're in a, I didn't think. After last year, this Bucks team would ever be able to recover, and they did in a major way. So kudos to them. All I had to do was trade Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> We've been saying it for years, Matt. Saying it for years. Put us in a front office. Nice. Uh, Tell New and, to do the same thing now. <laughs> what's that? Tell New Orleans to do the same thing. Oh, God. Poor Zion. <laughs> uh, any other parting words before we wrap this podcast up? I'm excited for the draft in eight days, Ryan. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And the NBA, se- NBA season never ends. It never stops. My wife said that the other day when I had the Olympic qualifier on. It, was, it never stops. <laughs> they don't I, – I don't think my wife understands that either, is that um, basketball is never ending. It's all the time. It's it's the thing about it. There's like a four-week window where there's nothing happening, and even then there's still stuff happening, so – Free agency starts not too long after the draft. <laughs> oh man, I, f- I I feel like we're gonna have a wild off season. The uh, think things will happen. That's 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 all the things I've been seeing is things will happen. The Dame rumor mill is just. If I'm a Portland fan, I'm starting to get scared. Thing it's is, it's a no. uh, it's not good. It's really scary. <laughs> I've been through this like three times now and and all all of the red flags are all the way up this is like if you're at the beach it's a double red flag type of situation beaches in portland is that a thing i think they're all um they all have coffee shops around them and it's a it's a little weird i don't know (laughs) i think they're all probably super cold so whatever portland's version of a double red flag day is that's what it is. A triple venti mocha, whatever. <laughs> from Starbucks roastery. With uh, with oat milk. No sugar. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the things. I'm kind of roasting myself because that's my order at Starbucks. Not really, but it's a it's an iced coffee with oat milk and Close. oh yeah. god. And now we're talking about my Starbucks order. We really have to wrap this <laughs> podcast up. Okay, so that's it for us. Episode 116. We're going to be doing going through Matt's uh, draft board, um, which uh, how many versions of this have you had now? I basically updated every month. Jesus. So from the start of the season to now. Yeah. So like 12, 12 ep- what is that? Version 12, 8, something like that? Yeah, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. I don't even know. Oh, good Lord. Okay, so we have draft. Now we get to talk about college basketball. And 
one of my least favorite times, but also one of my favorite times talking about draft prospects. As long as you don't have to watch college basketball, it's pretty good. Yeah, I let you do that. I'm not, I don't, I can't stomach that. That's the one thing I can't do. Well, that's it for episode 116. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you back in episode 117. Yeah.